Hey everyone and welcome to the episode 10 of the e-learning guys. My name is Nate Sejorgadluin and I'm joined by Mr. David Charney. Hello Nate, hello everyone. Hello sir, how are you? Very good, it's been a, a busy week which we're gonna be talking about here. So lots of uh, R&D and playing around with things and e-learning, storyline, all that fun stuff. How about you? How's your week been? Yeah, also like you said, uh, busy and extra busy because uh, our son was at home with us uh, being sick. So extra busy with everything, with the projects and <laughs> taking care of the son. Uh, so so yeah, uh, you had an extra storyline person at home then. <laughs> yeah. An extra so, developer. Yeah, an extra tester. So I, I can I can test all my little games with him. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, and as you mentioned, we have a, a we were working on many different interesting things and we're going to talk about them uh in this episode. So the, the, this whole episode is going to be like a big X days in review. We're going to just do a short discussion or a long discussion, however long it will have to take to talk about all the hacks and interesting stuff we have been working on. Uh, so let me begin. Uh, I was working on, a, you know, like we were discussing, discussing in free forms and hacking the free forms episode. Uh, I was working on a pick one free form hack, which means I had a situation where customer wanted a drop down menu, you know, so like a typical, you click on it and you get a list of items. Uh, menu, uh, and the menu had to be on, you know, four different lines. So the user has to match a pair from the word that's written on the slide, and they have to match the correct word within the uh, within the drop-down menu. So, you know, it's I think something similar Australian actually has already, uh -huh. but that's, you know, that's not perfect and design is you know crappy so i wanted to do totally custom thing so the drop down is created like this i have a you know a, an object on the the base layer that has all the states that are needed for the full drop down you know uh so the 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 first first normal one is just it says select and then the state number 1 is the first item and then the state number 2 it's the second item, and it's just the same object with different text, you know? Mm -hmm. So I change the text when user changes, when user selects something from the dropdown. But the dropdown itself opens in a layer. So once you click on the object, a, la a layer opens where I display all the three items. And once the user selects the item, I just say, change the state of the, you know, object on the base layer, to the selected item. So it's just one, two, three, uh, and one, two, three, one, two, three, and hide the layer. So at that point, uh, the drop-down menu hides and the base layer changes the state to the correct one. Mm -hmm. Did that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So I have that just, you know, four times, which means four objects and which means four layers for each drop-down. So after user selects all of these items from the drop-downs, they click submit, and at that point, you know, because I have a pick one free form here, I have two other objects hidden outside of the slide. It's like in no man's land, uh, the true and false object, and those two are part of you know the free form, uh, which I know you guessed it already. Uh, 
And then uh, once they once they click submit, at that point, I have a trigger for selecting the state of the true uh, the true object, which which uh, is selected only under condition that all the all the four objects have the correct state. You know, so if the number object number one has the state one, object number two has the state three, and so on and so on and so on. If everything there in the condition matches. Uh, the object is selected, and of course, then the free form displays that the answer is correct. Mm-hmm. And for the false, it's just you know it's almost the same. Select the false if users when user clicks the submit button under the condition that any of those is not the correct state. You know, so drop down two is not two. Drop down three is not state three, you know, and so on and so on. So if any of those is wrong, then it means it's false. The false object gets selected and the free form displays the wrong answer. So this was, you know, just something we spoke about before. And I, I know I said it, I never used it, but now I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I use it, yeah. Yeah. And it was um, like, it was like, you know, <laughs> the first test was totally correct. So it was super easy to do this. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. go ahead. Uh, so is this also your language, your your uh, course with a lot of languages, or is this just one language? Uh, this is just one. This is just one. Okay. I was going to ask if, <laughs> if that were the case. Um, oh, yeah. That would be hard. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how I would do that. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you got a lot of kind of, yeah, tracking and things going on to make sure that that works properly. Did it? Uh, did you get it working in one? Uh, yes, sir. One pass? Yes. Really? <laughs> I was super happy. Yeah. Smooth. I, I selected <laughs> all the items, you know, like I had written the, I wrote down the, the, the solutions. So I did, I selected the correct items and clicked uh, submit and yeah, the answer is true. Yes. Nice. So yeah, this, this was fun. That so rarely happens. Usually I, yeah. usually it's, I don't know if it's skill. It's usually just, uh, I keep clicking buttons until it works right. That's usually my approach. Yeah, and if I, you can do it on the first time, sometimes... I remember there was one case where I did... It was a really complex programmatic thing, and it worked on the first try, and I couldn't figure out... I spent so much time trying to figure out what I did wrong, <laughs> because it ne- that never happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, are, you, you think you maybe hit just the right combination, so it worked, <laughs> so you're trying to break it. <laughs> yep. Well, very nice. Yeah, this is this is super simple, and and I think this approach to drop down is, you know, the easiest. Although it's a bit fiddly because you have to match, you know, the position of the drop down exactly to the base layer, mm-hmm. base object, base layer object. That's a bit, you know, it's you have to be down to the pixel. Otherwise, it's a it's an easy approach, and it it's easily you know duplicated if you need more layers. You know, just duplicate the layer and just change a few triggers, and you're done. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask how you can maybe reuse it in the future. Um, uh, my, I, I once had a situation where I, where I had to do, you know, a bunch of these quizzes, these quiz type questions. So what I did was I prepared like you know, fifteen drop down items. So everything was already there, and then I just deleted the ones I didn't need, and that's the fastest way you can work on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if you have to change some triggers, usually you just have to change the, you know, some conditions to delete the items that are not uh, available anymore. 
so yeah, that's just a small hint there. Yeah. Well, very cool. Very nice. So how about your keyword search that you mans- mentioned the last time? Yeah. So I've, I'm just kind of continuously working on that when I can. Um, like I said, it, it works, it functions. And, and just again, to explain what it is, it's kind of the idea that within Storyline, if you want kind of a just-in-time search to be able to look for something that might be on a sli- in a slide or, uh, you know, if your course is broken into certain uh, sections, for you to be able to just type in a keyword that might not even be on the page but might match what you're kind of looking for, um, I, I want kind of a results screen, and you can click on any of those and get right to what you're looking for. So it's just kind of instead of a menu, it's 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 a search. It's you you know it's a quick search to to find what you're looking for. And um, the best way I found to do that was to use JavaScript, uh, use the JavaScript trigger, and have some things going on under the hood. Uh, JavaScript really does allow you to do quite a lot of stuff. As far as having that stuff work back in Storyline, you have to do these things where it's like, you have to look for when a variable changes and things like that to have mm-hmm. stuff happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I'm, I keep trying to kind of adjust this thing so that it's it'll ultimately be a fairly easy for someone to go in and say, okay, I want to create a, I've got a bunch of slides and I've got layers within those slides. I want someone to be able to go in and say, I want this, I want to jump to this slide or this layer within the slide when someone types in one of these keywords, basically. That's what I, I want. I want it to be pretty easy for someone to to kind of link things up. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, having used Flash for a while, I keep thinking I can do things <laughs> that I can't. Uh, you see, I don't have that problem. <laughs> I do have that problem. <laughs> For instance, I want to be able to say, so I can't create, what do you call it, a text box and duplicate that text box for however many results I get, right? I can't just programmatically duplicate that. Um, and so what I do is I've got a bunch of boxes and I just fill them in as, 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 as it comes up with uh, words that relate, um, results that relate. What I can't do, what what I so want to do is I want to have a condition that says if I click one of those uh, result, one of those results, I want to go to the whatever it is. I want to go to the slide if the result, if the text on the result on the result button says whatever. That was just such an easy thing to do in something like Flash. Does that make sense? So you've got a button and it says the word the on it. I don't know why I'd say the, but if I click on it, I want it to say, okay, go here on the condition that that text on that box says the. Mm-hmm. The The way you populate that, you know, the results, you're not going to know what's on what button. I can't quite do that. And I can't figure out the best way to do that because that would make it a lot easier f- for the system to work. Um, so I've been actively trying to figure that out. I have to, I can do it. I've done it already, but you have to use variables and all this stuff. And you have to kind of keep track of, um, if the, if it's the first box, then it's this, if it's the second box, then it's this, if it's the third box, it's this, I say box, I should say button, um, the result button, but, oh, so 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 where, where do you write the other way? 
so that's written in JavaScript. The the like the first box is this, the second box is this. It's so I've got a bunch of boxes. Let's say I've got six boxes, and each of those are buttons with triggers on them that mm-hmm. uh, don't don't really do anything. They're just kind of hidden. And then I show them if if I find three results when you do a search, mm-hmm. I type sick, and it says, oh, HR that has a keyword of sick, and sick days that has a keyword of sick. So, well, let's say two. I find those two. It will, in the order that it finds them, it'll put them, it'll say that the first button is the first keyword and the second button is the second keyword. So now I've got two uh, buttons with things on them. And I just want to be able to click that button and have a simple condition that says, if the text is on, on it is this, then I know to do all this stuff. Um, but I just can't figure that out. And I'm, it's kind of a rhetorical question. Uh, I, I, it can't do it. Um, but I keep telling myself, ah, there's got to be a way. But there isn't a way to do that. So anyway, that's been a frustration point. I, I just can't get around it. But I do have alternatives, which I'm already using, which is how it works now. Um, so I guess I'll just have to sadly uh, be defeated on the simplistic way I want to do this. <laughs> or maybe I'll just go back to Flash. No, no, no. No. No, no, no. That, that, at that point, you have to change, you know, the, the whole podcast thing and your co-host. That's just <laughs> no good. That's just no good. Right, right. Um, we can't use mobile anymore. Yeah, it changes everything. So, yeah, anyway, um, it is a complex thing. Yeah. I, and I want it to, you know, it... You have to do very complex things to make things seem simple uh, often. Yes. And so it's a very complex thing I'm doing under the hood, and I want it to seem very simple, not only for the person using it, but for the person that needs to edit it. And uh, yeah, that is taking true. some time to do. And the person that's going to edit this, it's, it's probably going to be you many times. So you want to you know, uh, make uh, future Dave happy. Yeah, but I also want to put a, a version of it online so that people can... You know, you use it, uh, use the kind of engine that I'm creating, and so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the less instruction uh, that I can have, the better. I'm sure that's what the people that would be editing it would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I concur, sir. Yeah, but with JavaScript, I keep finding more stuff I can do as far as refining the the keyword search. You know, I mean, you can. There, there already are simple JavaScript commands for doing certain searches for words. You can easily tell a string that you type in in Storyline into a box to um, lowercase everything, um, so that you know you don't have to have, you know, if someone types a capital letter, you don't want it to not return a result because it can't find it. So you can do all sorts of things to kind of have it parse through your keywords and try to put things together and chop off S's and all this stuff. Um, so it's, it's pretty amazing what you can do with it. I, I almost wish I knew JavaScript now that I'm using it so much. But, uh, you know, again, it, it can just enhance what Storyline can do. And that's what I've kind of been exploring the last so many weeks. Yeah, and um, I think there, there are probably many listeners that haven't used JavaScript at all. And I can totally sympathize because I'm the same way. And I, I think all of this, you know, you're playing around and other people playing around to JavaScript. Um, I think I'm sort of less afraid of it. I think I'm going to try it, you know, soon at least, you know, f- some parts. 
and just try to do something because for a long time I felt that this is sort of hacky and this might you know break in the f- in the future so I was always yep I was the same way uh, I wanted to use like native solutions in the storyline just what is you know officially supported sort of but I I don't think that's totally true so I would uh, I would totally use it on an X project or at least when I need some more power yeah Yep. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you have to ask yourself, is it going to work? And you have to be able to say yes. Um, so if you, if you can look at your situation and, and again, I think I've, I think from what I know, it will not work in the app, right? The, um, articulate app. Um, you mean the iOS? The iOS app. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. but if you're in a situation where you don't want to use that, uh, then you can use JavaScript. But yeah, I, I do run into a number of people. Now that I'm posting some of this stuff that I'm doing, uh, a number of people have said, oh, I'd love to use that. I don't really know JavaScript. And so that's why I'm also trying to, when I do get these things and I can post the storyline file, I, I want it to seem pretty simple, uh, at least straightforward. Like I want to comment things and, and make mm-hmm. sure that, you know, when you guys look at it, uh, who are maybe unfamiliar with JavaScript, that you can say, okay, well, this does this because of this and and this is changing this variable uh, because it can get confusing. You know, there's a lot of stuff you haven't seen before. If you're not used to programming, um, you know, you want to minimize what you're looking, you know, what you're looking at and the complexity of it. Uh, plus, there's variables in JavaScript now, and there's JavaScript, or, and, and there's variables that relate to Storyline. So you, you want to keep track of those. Yeah, yeah. Shall we move on? Yes, sir. Let's uh, let's move on. Okay, so now we come to my slider tabs experiment. Slider tabs. Yeah, so uh, I played around with... I'm a big fan. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Uh, I've been playing around with this in 360. I think it would be actually more or less the same in uh, Storyline 2. So it's a sort of upgrade of the car moving solution I had, you know, with the moving slider. Uh you know, slider that moves automatically because of the animation completes that's off screen. So I wanted to do a version where the slider moves to the position you want it to move. So I was thinking how this could be, you know, applied in a practical way. So I came up with this selecting a tab solution. So you have three tabs. When you click on a tab, the the, the highlight, you know, the 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 button in the background sort of, it slides to the select tab. So it's number two, number three, uh, <laughs> number one, of course. Um, and it it slides totally uh, nicely. I mean, I don't like this. It's not totally smooth movement. I'm not sure if it's, I'm not totally sure what's happening here, but it totally works and it jumps around dynamically. It, it can jump from number one to number three, and while it's moving, you can click somewhere else, and it, it won't, uh, it's, it will still land in the correct position. So it's done similarly as the car movement uh, idea. So I have some animations looping off the screen, which every time they complete, they change the variable plus one of the slider, let's say plus one. I have actually, uh, created uh, another variable for this so I can change it in in the settings of the variable 
So I have the move value, move value slider, uh, I have the current position, and I have the new position variables. So the current is what is current, which is actually the slider itself. And then it's the move value, and then it's the new position. So new position, it's a, I think I have a slider with 100 positions. Uh, and the tab number one is zero, zero, and number two is 50, and number three is 100. So they're like evenly uh, distributed across the slider. Uh, and then the, every time the animation completes, I say add move value slider to current position. Just let me see. Yeah. Add adjust variable current position, add variable move value slider. Yeah. So move value slider is here many times uh, because I have actually five elements, five objects that have the looping animation because I wanted to have some smoothness, although that didn't quite work out. Uh, but it's five boxes there moving all the time. And then I say set the new position to value one. So it means it should move to value one. And at that point, and because this is the number one tab, it means that the, uh, that the slider is going to move from the, you know, everywhere from 1 to 100, it should go back. So the move value is minus 0 0.05, 0 0.05, you know, because you have to mm -hmm. subtract it to whatever the slider is currently. Uh, and then it's similar for number 2. Well, for number 2, it's, it's, uh, you have to have some sort of conditioning because I have to move it to minus 0 0.05. I have to move it... Uh, I have to set the variable move value slider to minus five if uh, it's more than 50 and to five plus five if it's less than 50. You know? So it knows it in which direction it has to move. Uh, I know this must be some, I know this is, this is a bit confusing with all the variables, but basically I have to move it in the direction that from the currently, from the where I'm currently to the new position. And because number ta two tab is in the middle, you know, it's either plus or minus depending on the current position of the slider. Yeah, well, y well, you showed this to me, uh, I think it was, was it last week or? Something like uh, that, yeah, in the like middle that. of the week, week, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, just, I thought it was fantastic. I, um, y you know, again, from the user experience, it's very simple. Uh, you click on one of the three <laughs> buttons yeah. And the background slides from whichever button you was selected to the new selected button. You know, uh, and again, you can use your button uh, sets, you know, to kind of group those buttons up if, if yeah. you need to. But um, yeah, I just thought it was great. Um, it's a lot. Again, it goes back to some of the flash stuff that <laughs> yeah, I I we all used to love seeing. It kind of ties those three buttons together in a way. Um, not each button has its own background, but now they all share a background and they're all kind of together. They're like the three musketeers kind of, but, but in button form. And, um, so I really thought that was great. And I, I, I thought you did a great job of, uh, of, uh, putting that together. Cause it's, it's very simple, um, from the experience. Yeah. But again, it's, it's the complexity, uh, again, yeah. that we were talking about. Because creating this, you know, with motion paths would be a pain because you would have to have bunch of uh, bunch of conditions, uh, you know, where to move 
and when not to move because it's moving already. You know, otherwise you could it could end up off the screen because uh, I had that experience from before. And I wanted to have something more dynamic. And slider is the only dynamic thing you have. And now the dial in in storyline. So I wanted to do just wanted to expand the idea from the car to other things. And this I think this this came out quite well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to lock the buttons. You know, if if you've got a second long animation from, yeah. from one place to another, you don't want to have to lock everything. The user can't click for a second. Yes, yes. Um, you know, you want them to be able to just actively click yeah. around, and you want, if it's sliding over to the selected button over here, you want it to just start sliding back over to the other selected button. Yeah. And just let me add one more, uh, just another nice thing I discovered here, because it was really, I think it was smart that I didn't use the variables. I didn't use the, you know, numbers that control everything. And I used variables because uh, how do I stop once it comes to the, you know, correct position? That was another issue I had because, you know, I'm adding, you know, zero five, zero five, zero five all the time. So when do I stop? How do I stop the slider? And that <laughs> that was really surprising and really nice because actually for all the three buttons, there is only one trigger that is needed to stop the movement. Um, and this is that I adjust the variable, move value slider. So this, you know, the rate at which it moves, you know, that, that, that number mm-hmm. uh, to value zero. Because if it's zero, if you're adding zero or subtracting zero, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you don't move. It's the same number as you had, you know, before. Uh, and this only happens when variable changes and variable is the current position. So that's the slider itself on condition that the current position, so the slider itself, it's the same as the new position. And the new position is set once you click the tab. So once those two match, the new is the same number as the current, then uh, the moving uh, sets to zero and it stops because you're just adding zeros or subtracting zeros and it doesn't do anything. So (laughs) this trigger was awesome and I was really surprised that it worked. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Very nice. Uh, And there's just another thing I discovered um, here about about the nature of the slider that it's a bit, bit different from the storyline too, because uh, I mentioned when I was, I was explaining the car movement a few episodes back, that you don't need to set the, just let me find it, the slider. You don't need to set the step from the slider, you know, because variable does everything. So step doesn't really matter. That's what I said, something like that. However, in, in 360, I guess Articulate guys decided, no, 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 this should totally matter. And now the step is important. So currently my step is set to 0.02, uh, and it sort of matches the looping animations I have in, in those off the screen. So definitely you have to set that step to really low number to have the smooth movement. Because uh, mm-hmm. if it's too big, it's going to jump around. And it doesn't matter if you actually set the trig, um, if you set the variables, you know, to lower than the step, it will just wait for the number uh, of the step to reach the number of the step, the value of the step. 
Yeah, you know what I mean? If step is one and you're moving everything by uh, zero five, uh-huh. it's going gonna, it's gonna to wait until it comes to one. Right. Um, so step is important. You have to set the step to exactly what you want. So that that's sort of, I don't like this change because if I'm controlling everything with, you know, variables, just leave the step out of it. But I guess now we have to consider this also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. You always have to pay attention to those things when a version changes, or even when there's a if there's a significant number of updates. You never know what's going to change. Yes, sir. And now, Mister JavaScript Wizard, uh, you fantastically expanded on this idea I had. Yeah, I did. After you showed <laughs> me that, I thought, "Huh." Dink. And then uh, I jumped back to my Flash days, where we used to use these little uh, kind of tween or ease libraries um, or programming. Uh, And what those would let you do was move an object on screen from one point to another, and um, it would add an ease to it. So, you know, you're like you're driving your car. You don't just slam on the brakes and suddenly stop the car. Um, You always kind of slow down to a nice stop. Um, And... Certainly, that's nice in a car because you don't fly out and all that stuff. That's fantastic, but yeah. It's wonderful. It's a nice thing. Seatbelts <laughs> help, but, um, you know, that certainly doesn't hurt. Still don't break that way, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, what's nice about ease, moving objects around on screen from a user experience level, is that, you know, your eye isn't following something and then suddenly it's not there anymore. Uh, it kind of eases your eyes to slow down with it. It's It's very helpful when you're trying to, you know, keep focus of things. And people are just used to that natural movement. Mm -hmm. So when I saw that with those three buttons and with the fact that you could kind of slide the background to either one, again, fairly simple uh, idea, um, I thought, boy, I could, if if I could use one of those, that uh, ease engine in JavaScript, without getting too complex with what that means, um, I could just, tell a uh, slider to go from its zero variable to its whatever variable in a second and let the JavaScript library handle all the math and everything in between. Yeah, all the timings and variables and changes, yeah. All the timing, all the ease, there's different ease formulas. You can, so you can, you can understand if, if I've got a simple formula that it gives me, these libraries give you, in JavaScript, I could say, and I don't have it in front of me, but it's, it's kind of like, um, if, if you picture what programming looks like, it's kind of like go to, and then in, in, in uh, parentheses, uh, whatever your x is, so if my x is 0, you know, if you picture a chart, you know, x and y, x is 0, and I want to move uh, my start point x to... Uh, 500 um, over one second using a a certain type of ease, then it's going to over that second calculate where to be on the x until it gets to that whatever that endpoint is. That's x, but I figured that I could just have it report back just a number. So what I did was I took I made three buttons. They're just text. There's no background to them. And then I put, just like you did, I put the uh, slider behind it. I put, is it the thumb? Is that what you change on the slider? Yes, sir. Yeah. So I, I made the thumb, I made a little object, you know, a little, uh, what do you call it, a rectangle with 
curved edges. It's probably a name for that. And um, I just made that in Photoshop. I applied that to the thumb. Um, yeah, and, the same here, yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and you can use what's in Storyline if that works for you. Um, just change the colors and whatnot. Um, and then uh, I made it a thousand steps. Is it steps? I've never been good with vocabulary. I just I've never learned all that stuff. I think it's steps, however many steps you use in a, in a slider. So a thousand steps um, because I wanted a lot of steps because if you see this, if, if you want it to slow down towards the end, and I should say too, we'll put a link to this as well. So if you want to pause the, the podcast uh, and take a quick look at it, it might uh, make a lot more sense uh, when I'm explaining how this works. Um, you just have to make sure you unpause the podcast when you come back. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So then uh, I've got a thousand steps, and all I have to do now is I put a little JavaScript trigger on a layer, and I have a couple of variables in Storyline. You know, my start, I forget what it's called again, step. My start step, my end step. So for instance, if I want it to, if I'm on step, if I'm on the first button, I want that slider to be all the way to zero. Mm-hmm. And if I want to go to the last button, the third button, I want to go all the way to a thousand because that's the last step. Yeah. Uh, so all I have to do is say zero is my start, thousand is my stop. I want it to last 1.5 seconds, let's say. And then all I have to do is it will calculate. Um, th- there's a little script in there, and you'll see it when I can post this. But every time it... Uh, runs through the math, it will tell you what point it needs to be at, what step it needs to be at. Um, I have to round up to a whole number because you can't you can't tell the slider to be at, I don't think, like 1.4 or something. So, um, well, you, sorry, this... Well, you can. Can, can you? Can yeah, you? Th- um, th- that's, that's when the step setting comes in. Right, of course. Of course. <laughs> Okay, we'll just cut that out and post. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, uh, so the um, so you can do that, but anyway, I did round up. Um, I probably don't need to do that, um, but I, after a thousand steps, it's probably not a big deal. So what's nice about that is all I have to do is run that thing, and if as long as it it tells Storyline to change the uh, the the variable that the slider uses. When you click that last button, it will just very smoothly slide the um, the button, the slider thumb, yeah. uh, all the way over to the other side. And as it's getting towards the end, it'll nicely slow down, and um, and it's just very smooth and it works very well. Um, I it, was it's great. That that's what I wanted for my uh, version, but sort of didn't work out. <laughs> well, I it's yeah. There there was something there. I'm not sure why it yours didn't seem to it wasn't as smooth I, I was confused because your car is so smooth when you, when you move your car it's probably something just it's probably something real simple i would guess i i have to i have to play around with you know exactly what you said you have thousands of those so maybe i'll i'll uh, you know just make it larger and see what happens yeah yeah but so what's nice about that now is almost everything in what i've just put together i, I should say too that um the background is kind of it's on white um, so my background is dark, or that little thumb is dark. So I've got a select on each of those buttons, a selected uh, state that just has the same text, but it's in white. So the second you click that, it switches to that selected state, and then that other 
that, that background kind of catches up to wherever you're at. You know, if I'm right in the middle, I can tell it go to 500 because that's my middle, that's right in the middle. Um, so very quick, now that that's built, I could throw a fourth button in and just figure up what point that needs to be at, uh, what step that needs to be at. And um, all I have to do is um, s- every time you click a button, I have to set the point that it needs to go to mm-hmm. and and what the button does, basically, the trigger for the button. Oh, and then I have to tell the um, the layer that has the JavaScript to show. And the second that happens, it does all the work for you. It 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 looks and sees where you're at. So if you're halfway, if it's already animating to another button and you click another button, it will automatically stop the, the math that's going on to keep going in the one direction. It'll say, okay, that's my new start point wherever the button's at, and I'm going to start heading in the other direction. Mm-hmm. What's also nice is it's very easy for me now to say, to play around and say, okay, well, I want this to happen over five seconds or 0.5 seconds. Yeah. Um, and then this uh, it's called green sock or green sock or green socks i can't remember um that's the javascript ease library it's also got things i can easily type in bounce for instance i want ease.bounce and instead of it slowing down towards the end it will kind of it'll hit hit fast and sh- have a little bounce movement very similar to what it'll do in uh, storyline uh in the um motion path in the motion path if you choose bounce i mean mm-hmm. that's the same thing and in fact I don't know. It might even be using the same uh, Ease engine there. I'm not sure. I don't know what they use. Um, but it's very easy to do, very smooth, and I was very happy with it. So it, that was kind of my, yeah, my first step. That was the first step. So I guess uh, then you expanded it beyond just the slider, right? Yeah, then I expanded it from there. I thought, you know, whenever you get to the end of a course and you've got like, you got 50% right or you got 80% right, I was thinking boy, it'd be cool to have like a little um, circular Mm -hmm. indicator that automatically animates from zero to where you're at. Um, And I wanted it to do the same thing. I wanted it to nicely slow down. And um, I wanted to be able to easily change the color and stuff so that you can match your brand and all that. So what I did was I created a little, um, what do you call that, block arc or arc block or something? Yeah, I think it's block arc, yeah block arc it's one of the shapes that you can find in storyline and um if you draw that it lets you draw kind of a partial donut shape and um this the tedious part of this was to i need to create a hundred states that where that arc is you know incrementally one one hundredth further along yeah it was actually not too difficult to do. I actually created a dial in Storyline 360 and t- just took a, I made it 100 um, steps. <laughs> steps. So I can never think of words. I can never think of those words. Um, and I just took a screenshot of it, put it behind the thing, and then I just, I kind of moved I, every uh, state. I, I just slid it down to it matched the little circle. You know, when you make a dial, it creates that kind of, it doesn't show up when you actually publish, but it creates that all those little uh, not, uh, marks all the way around for however many steps you have. So I just wanted that as an indicator so I could line it up. It actually did not take me long to to do. Um, I think you, you had the same thought I did when I first started using it, is when you use that, when you start dragging it, it's going to change the width of the 
yeah. arc. Yeah. Block arc. Um, but it, it, it only does that on, it has two little movement, little yellow boxes you can move. Yeah. Only one of those actually changes the width. The other one, you can, it won't change the width. So you can easily just keep moving it down. Yeah. The, the one on the inside changes the width. Okay, and on the outside, it just changes the the length yeah. of the circle. Yeah, correct. So once I had that, I had that. I had a hundred states in there. It was just absolutely as easy as it could have been. Uh, all I did was I said um, instead of telling the variable to go to a certain spot, I would just create a. I would just copy down a whole bunch of uh, triggers. Well, like one hundred triggers, right? One hundred triggers, but it was very easy to do. Um, I created one, it was correct, and then I just copied it down. And uh, you know how it lets you make some changes to the trigger from right the, in the yeah, panel? Yeah. yeah. Like, and I think those two, you could directly change the, exactly. the state and yeah. the variable number, which totally helped you, yeah. Yep. So it, you know, it took a little bit of time, but it was not too difficult. And um, what I also made sure I did when I created the, um, the block arc thing is I made sure I... I uh, used a color. I applied a color from the color palette that I was using. So now I can always go back in and change the color palette, and I can easily change all 100 of those in about you know half a second. Oh uh, yeah, you any, use the theme color, color I right? I use the theme color. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very smart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I made sure I did that before I made all 100. Um, so again, all I have to do is I have to just create a button that says if it's 100 percent. My endpoint is 100. The beginning point will be wherever it's at. I want it to last a second. And in this case, I wanted to use a, a bounce uh, ease effect. So that's all I had to do. And it just, all I have to do is, is call that thing and it, yeah. it, it does its thing. So yeah. I'm really happy that I was, my, I was a little worried that it wouldn't play through the states fast enough, you know, no. just yeah. because of store, because of however it's programmed. Yeah. But actually, Storyline handles changing the variables fantastically, v right? Very well, yeah. yeah. And and you saw that other thing I had done, which I'll talk about, which is kind of playing through an animation, playing through images. And even then, it plays through states pretty well. So I was very happy. Mm -hmm. So then uh, I thought, you know, one more thing just to throw it in there. I wanted to create like a little bar chart. It works exactly the same way. I've got 50 or 100, I can't remember, states. I think it's 50 states of just uh, where I took a rectangle and I just make the rectangle taller and taller and taller. And same thing. I can just tell it where to go and tell it uh, uh, how f how long to take. And that's it. Yeah. That that graph is, is, is fantastic. I I mean, it's so, it's so much... It's just a much better... It seems like a much better experience than using something with a slider, I, at least from the user's point of view. Because it's really so smooth that, oh, I, I love it. Cool, yeah. And, you know, it could be very useful, too. If you Let's say you've got a bar chart and you've got another bar chart and you want to kind of show the com comparison between the two. Instead of it just popping from one to the next, you can actually slide those bars so someone could see, oh, okay, that's going there. This is changing this way. Um, so I want to kind of enhance that and actually build like a engine for bar charts, you know, something that people could easily make edits to. Um, but there, there's really a lot you can do with this thing. So I'm, I'm just continuously exploring what I can do, really. Um, like the parallax guy thing I did a long time ago. I, I, I want to have buttons on there. So if you want to jump all the way to the end, 
you could hit a button and it'll just smoothly slide all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, I this project we had done with the disabled American veterans where um, we've got the anatomy and it would kind of animate from the you know anterior or front kind of view uh, to the so from it's like from front torso to back torso right something like that exactly yeah it's so basically front back side um, I've got buttons where we've got buttons for anterior lateral you know for instance if I want to click lateral to go to the side view mm-hmm I should say there's a slider to do that now, but to have buttons that can just take you there, I c- it'll just play right through that animation now. Yeah. At the speed I want, I can have it slow down at the end as long as I have enough frames so it doesn't look choppy. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just uh, really happy with how it's working out and I'm just kind of exploring more things I can do with it because I can do stuff with dials as well. And, um, you know, it doesn't, it's not a huge educational uh, upgrade, but it does, I think, enhance the user experience or the learner experience quite a bit uh, for certain things. And it gives you, you know, you just have another tool in your toolbox sort of, of you know, magic tricks and storyline that you can use on a project if, uh, you know, if there's the need. So I, that's always great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'll clean it up a little bit and get it out there for people so they can have that... Uh, that tool in their toolbox. I, I know a perfect guy that uh, you want to show this to, you know. Who's that? <laughs> uh, you know, just someone you speak on a podcast. Oh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you'll introduce me and then I'll show it to uh, him. Yeah, I have my people contact your people. Oh, good. All right. Uh, sh- uh, shall we move on? Yes, yes, sir. Moving, moving along. Yeah, we have, uh, it's amazing. These minutes are just flying by. All right, I had an I had an interesting sort of problem, not a big one, but uh, I think I like the solution. Uh, I just had a situation uh, because the course was locked, which means that, the, that at the start of a slide, I disable the next button. And I enable it, you know, once the variable of this slide equals once the variable changes and variable goes from false to true which means it changes and then at that from that point on it's always going to be unlocked however um i had a situation where the the the, uh, customer wanted to have uh, didn't want to users to click on the items uh, which open some boxes which are layers in in my example uh, they didn't want clicks. They only wanted the hover. So the hover opens the layer, which opens some boxes with some text. And I have a, I had a few of those items on screen. So it means that I had I had to sort of track which layers were open. So once mm-hmm. all the layers were open, the next button would unlock. And um, let me first. Let me tell you what was my first solution because I, I, you know, just thinking what could be, you know, the least triggers possible and didn't work out well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I was thinking that, okay, maybe because the hover states, they are only open, you know, one item at a time because you only have one mouse cursor. <laughs> so I couldn't track uh, states. Like I couldn't say when f- these four item states is hover because that never happens. Mm-hmm. 
then I was thinking, okay, then maybe once the layer opens, I can change the state to visit it, and visit it should be the same as the normal state, so it doesn't change. And once all of the uh, objects are visited, then I change the variable to true. Uh, that was also a bad solution mm -hmm. uh, because, well, not also a bad solution, but this was, uh, turns out, not a good solution because once user hovered and the layer opened, it changed the state from hover to visited. So it wasn't hover anymore, and it looks strange because the button suddenly mm. changed when you, when you were over with the mouse. And, uh, you know, I think the layer also had a transition, like fading half a second, which means you saw half a second hover and then suddenly visit it, which was the same as normal, but it was confusing for the user. And uh, I saw that totally that, that that wasn't a good solution. Uh, so I just said it to myself, okay, variables, here I come. So uh, each layer has its own variable. It's like uh, layer opened. Uh, like layer opened one, layer opened two. So once the layer opens, uh, when timeline starts, that variable goes to true. Mm -hmm. So this happens on all layers. But this is a, this is not enough because I have to I have to know that all of them were open, and which means I sort of have to have to have some sort of counter. You know, once four of the layers are open, uh, then then I add another another variable which says uh, that add number one to layers number of layers opened once the variable layer opened changes which means this will happen only once so when the layer opens the variable will go to true and at that point the other variable will see that that variable changed and it will add one so you only you only add one once because if I would just have have a trigger there, add one when the layer opens, means that user would if he would open the same tree uh, the same layer many times, I would just keep in, keep adding one 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 one, and that's just wrong because you have to add one just once uh, per layer. So that was another step, and then I just had another trigger that once the variable reaches reaches four, uh, my main variable changes, and you know the next button unlocks. So that was sort of two-step variable here. And I, and I saw that this combination of true from false to true and then counting something once variable changes is a really good solution for many situations. Because once the variable goes to true, it doesn't change anymore. Once it's true, it's true, you know. No matter how many triggers I have to make it true again, it's just the same all the time. Which means, you know, this click happens just once. So combination of those true false and variable changes for the next trigger i think it's really it's a good solution because it goes from one step to another and you it's 100 percent bulletproof i think uh and it's <laughs> until it isn't yeah but i think it is and uh it just i, I think it's smart to use it where you need uh, something like this for a situation uh, if 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 it's, if it's needed yeah mm-hmm yeah, well, that's, that sounds frustrating. Oh, it was. Uh, but um, especially when I had, you know, four items and this was on, you know, four slides, so many variables. But, you know, you create one, you copy-paste, you change it up a bit and it works. And uh, I, I don't think I could do it with uh, states. And I know it's, I know it's bulletproof because variables, 
some you know sometimes even when you export something states don't really work exactly as you wanted to or it doesn't trigger doesn't respond to a state so i saw that variables are really bulletproof mm-hmm. and i always turn to variables if it's a true if it's if it's a, if it's a more complex situation you, know, you, you really can't miss and you had some bugs with fonts yeah i'm having a strange strange bug or i don't know maybe it's my computer but i was kind of interested if anyone else was having this problem um so I have, uh, so I'm in Storyline 360, and I keep publishing my project. Uh, I should say I, I did a couple searches for this, and I wasn't, just wasn't finding it, and I didn't spend a lot of time looking. But um, whenever I publish my project in 360, uh, and I view it in HTML, uh, I will either have fonts or not have fonts uh, there. Um, so. If I have certain fonts, I won't see them, and then I'll publish again, and, oh, there they are. Oh, I, although I, there's a mistake, so I'll go back and fix this thing. I'll publish again. Oh, fonts aren't there again. Really? And, um, Just, like, randomly? Randomly. Uh, at least I haven't done it enough to see any sort of pattern. But um, So, yeah, if I don't see the fonts, I'll go back and I'll publish again. Um, for instance, uh, I use Font Awesome, the library, a lot for little icons and stuff. And it won't show them. Um, although sometimes I'll publish and I will see like the wrong fonts there or the wrong um, object there. So I kind of hunted down and found that the, um, I don't have it in front of me, but the fonts folder when you publish from 360, mm-hmm. um, that would be missing fonts. I can't think of the, do you know what the font, uh, what the extension is? W Is it W-O-L or I can't think of what the web font. Oh, I have no idea. Extension no. is. So um, it usually, it should populate that, but it's not. So I actually went online and searched for, like I can actually, this is getting technical, although my, most of this episode is technical. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, for such a visual thing, it's a very technical, uh, for such a non-visual podcast. Um, so I can see, you know, you can uh, inspect on in a web browser and see what kind of, if things might not be, it might not be finding something. Yeah. So I can see exactly the file, the font file that it's trying to load and it can't hmm. find it. I can go to the folder, it's not there. But when I republish, sometimes it will be there. So I don't know what's going on. I have, I seem to be up to date. Uh, so I actually went out to the web, found a uh, the files that it's trying to look for, and even found them in some of my other projects, and just dropped them in the folder. All was well. So it's really frustrating, though. I want to just publish and put it online, and I can't do it. Um, so if if anyone's been having this problem or have has a link to something out there, I would love to uh, to get that because uh, it's it's taking some of my time. Well, it's. I think it's quite obvious that this is some sort of bug, so I expect it to be, you know, fixed in the next update yeah. or soon. Unless something's wrong with my computer, but then that's still that would still be a bug between Storyline and, and my computer. I think with someone would still have that problem, but I don't know. Maybe I'll post a little video and show exactly what it's doing. But I mean, that's that's what it's doing. I can publish three times and get different results each time for what fonts it throws in the fonts folder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So fla- the Flash version works fine. I, I checked that, but that works differently. And I don't 
uh, I'm not, you know, publishing to Flash really much anymore yeah. unless it's necessary. Um, but I just double checked just to rule out things. And yep, it's just that font folder is not getting populated. Hmm. Well, I hope it gets it gets fixed soon because uh, that must be annoying. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right, so I have one more item here. It's just a strange bug I had uh, in uh, Storyline 2. You know, this was the 12 languages thingy. And, mm-hmm. well, you know, client notified me that, yeah, they couldn't uh, continue when they come to the second question of the quiz. And it was really weird. I mean, uh, I, I, first I thought that the submit button is disabled because it's disabled until you select something, you know, just just to remove that annoying box that comes up that says you didn't uh, answer anything or something like that. And I went there, I went in there, and I said everything's fine. I don't know what's happening. So I I preview, and I click submit, and nothing happens. And I click submit the second time, and then it displays the feedback. So it was really weird. How how could the second click register and not the first one? And then I exported and tried there the exported version, and the, and I tried the, all the answers correct, and I click submit. Nothing happens. Click submit again. Nothing happens. Click it two trillion times. Nothing happens. And yeah, I I and I couldn't uh, select any more answers. So it was sort of in. Some strange layers state that, you know, nothing was shown. I couldn't click anything. And it it turns out that uh, I had, because all of these many languages, I I have feedback masters. And in the feedback master, actually the wrong feedback master was selected. Uh, Then I changed it to the correct one and I solved the problem. But this feedback master, the wrong one, had another trigger there that said uh, submit well submit interaction when user clicks submit button you know although it was uh, an unassigned uh, interaction right because it's a master layer there's, there's there are no interactions there and it seems that th- that second uh, that second trigger of the submit button totally you know messed it up and i ended in limbo state where nothing moved uh, and just as soon as I changed uh, the the master to the correct one, everything was fine. So that that second submit uh, trigger totally messed it up. Yeah, I don't know. Really weird, really weird situation. But uh, luckily, I was able to fix it. Yeah, yeah, that's strange. I re- you were telling me about that, and yeah, that's just it's like you throw logic out the window, and that's the toughest thing. Uh, I'm glad you uh, were able to uh, hunt down the problem. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Thank you for all the suggestions, uh, although they didn't work, but uh, they, they were good suggestions. <laughs> try turning yeah. it off and turn it back on again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, I think uh, we totally went longer than I expected, uh, and I, it's time to wrap up number 10. Uh, Dave, please tell us, where can people find you? People can find me at aluminumgroup.com for custom e-learning. Uh, you can also check out uh, elearninglocker.com. I've got a bunch of templates uh, that me and Lumen Group have put together uh, and other e-learning assets, and I've got a bunch of my videos and stuff there. Uh, and then also I'm on Twitter a lot. You can check me out at uh, Dave underscore Charney, C-H-A-R-N-E-Y. And Nate's, how about you? Uh, where can people find you? Thank you, Dave. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at N-E-J-C-D. 
or at elearningbrewery.com where you can contact me for uh, help with your Storyline projects or even uh, you know training on Storyline. Please, if you have any questions or uh, any challenges for us, you can contact us through the website at uh, elearningguys.com. Actually, at theelearningguys.com. Consider subscribing to the podcast so you always have the fresh episode on your smartphone. Uh, Have a good one and talk to you next week. Yep, take care, everyone, and happy e-learning. People can find me at Illumingrop. Uh, <laughs> at Illumingrop. Uh, cut. Um. <laughs>